Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Go to Hebrews 13 verse 12. It says this, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go outside, let's go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, that acknowledges his name. And do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It was October 31st in 1517 that a monk named Martin Luther wrote 95 Theses and he hammered it to the door of the local Catholic church, of the local church in his area. And, and really his overarching focus was to, to bring back the priesthood from the, 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 the church back to the believer. Because at that time they really believed that to connect with God you had to connect through a priest, you had to connect through a person. And Martin Luther says, this is not what the Bible says that we have a mediator and the only mediator that he is, his name is Jesus. And we can connect to God and, have, you know, and worship God through Jesus because of his grace and by faith and we can live in a life. And so he took the priesthood from, from the, 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 the Pope and said, you know what, we love you, we respect you, but we're returning it to the believers. And now what we have seen is that is the Protestant Reformation. So we are a product of what Martin Luther believed in, that you and I can be priests. You and I can connect with God. You and I can worship God. You and I can offer sacrifices to God. We are called priests. See, the problem is in modern church is we have lost the thing that Martin Luther really fought for. It was this thing that actually caused the, the, the printing press to print the Bible in the, in the common language at the time so people could read the Bible for themselves. It changed society forever, yet we have lost sight of what Martin Luther ended up dying for, is that we are not here to observe, we are not here to consume, but we are here to participate because we are called priests. Now, priest and, and this concept of priesthood is not foreign in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the priesthood was reserved for one tribe, the tribe of Levi. One tribe. They got to do, they, they, only one tribe could worship God. Only one tribe could go into the Holy of Holies. Only one tribe could do it. They, they, they wore the priesthood. They made sacrifices for the sins of the people, for the sins of the nation. They were those who would slaughter the animals and sacrifice the animals. But in the letter of Hebrews, the author throughout the entire letter makes this point that Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament priesthood and he began a new one. The book of Hebrews is awesome. It could be one chapter and just says Jesus is best. But systematically and surgically, the author of Hebrews writes 13 chapters trying to prove that Jesus is not just best, but he's trying to prove through scripture that Jesus is better. He's better. He's better than the old priesthood. His priesthood is better. His way of life is better. His temple is better. His message is better. Jesus is better. And he's talking about this concept of priesthood throughout the book of Hebrews. We see that Christ was appointed the high priest by God in Hebrews chapter five. 
And because of his sympathy, he was tempted in every way and was without sin. And we see that in Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 7. Instead of offering animal sacrifices to take away our sins, he offered himself as a blood and perfect sacrifice once and for all, which was a perfect atonement for our sins. And that's Hebrews 7, 9, and 10. Christ is forever the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He is forever our priest. He is continually, as our high priest, making intercession for you and I, which means he is sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you and I. Interceding, standing in the gap, being our mediator. We can access God only through our high priest, King Jesus. As our high priest, he is the example of what it means to be a priest. We see in the New Testament that we are called a royal priesthood in 1 Peter. We are a kingdom of priests throughout the book of Revelation. We are called to serve under the high priest Jesus as priest of our lives. A part of our purpose, which is to rule and to reign, is to be a king and a priest. Learning to rule and reign in our lives is part of our fourfold purpose, which is relationship, character, function, and reproduction. And our function is to be those who operate in the kingdom of God as priests to God. Learning to worship him, to offer sacrifices, but we are here not to consume, but we are here to participate as priests because this is who the Bible says we are. Christ is the pattern of our priesthood as our high priest. The high priesthood of Christ is characterized in this, that his complete, utter obedience to God and his unlimited uh, compassion for other human beings. Christ's high priesthood is defined by his complete and perfect obedience to God and his unlimited compassion and love for us, for fellow human beings. So what is us as a priesthood? What does it look for us? It means sacrificial obedience to God because our obedience is not perfect. Only Christ's obedience is perfect. But our focus, our intention, our goal is obedience. Sacrificial obedience to God with a spiritual worship and love for God and compassionate activity and prayer and everything we do for our fellow human beings to be compassionate. Only in Christ is our priesthood possible. Only through the Holy Spirit is our worship acceptable. And that's why Jesus says to the woman at the well, I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. To know the truth, which is Jesus, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and to then not receive the spirit, because we can't, if we don't accept Christ as Lord, guess what, we can't receive the spirit. But when we receive Christ as our Lord and our Savior and as our high priest, we are given the Holy Spirit, and which is the power to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And through the Holy Spirit, we can offer a worship that is acceptable and that is pleasing to God. Spirit and in Truth. Christ's pattern of priesthood is our pattern. So the question I am trying to answer today is, how do we practice priesthood in 2022? How do we practice priesthood? How is this possible? It is our calling. It is a part of our purpose, but how do we do it? The first thing is we have to understand is we have to give a preferential praise. A preferential praise. Listen to this. It says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
the duty of a priest is to worship God, but not to worship God on how we prefer to worship God. I just really like it when this person speaks and this person leads worship because the problem is one of the greatest attacks against the church is preference. I only worship or I only go based on what I prefer. But worship is not about your preference. Can I be honest? Worship is about God's preference. So how does God desire to be worshiped? You don't believe me? The whole book of Leviticus is a book about God's preference. Luckily, it's been fulfilled in Jesus, right? Look at how God prefers to be worshiped. It's the book of the approach. God says, this is how you approach me in the Old Testament system. This is it. God has preferences. God likes us to worship him the way that he wants to be worshiped. Imagine if I only love my wife the way that I love to be loved. Imagine if I gave her gifts that I liked. You ever met that person who gives you a gift and you know it's really for them? Oh, you don't want it? Oh, I'll keep it. No big deal. <laughs> cool. Love it. Like, have you ever met that person? It's like, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> but I do. I have to because Jesus tells me. But really, like, it's a struggle. You ever met that person who loves people off preferences? Like their preferences. Like guys, we're the worst at this, right? Like with our wives, it's like 99% of men's like number one love language is physical touch. All right, we got it. Amen. Right, it's like, baby, I just, I just I need you to feel love. And what that means is, you know, all right? Take your own deductions. We're adults here. But sometimes she's like, I want you to love me the way that I want to be loved. Quality time. Get off your phone. Massage my feet where your hands cramp up. My God. I can't feel my thumbs right now. Right? Because we love, to show them that we love them, we want to do how they receive love. The same is with God. So sometimes we are actually, oh, I'm worshiping God, I'm worshiping God, I'm worshiping God. But we are doing things that we prefer and we're neglecting the things sometimes that God actually prefers. And we, we, we kind of construct our Christianity around our preferences. So we can kind of come in and out of church and sh- watch this video and listen to this podcast and do this. And we only find the people that we prefer that feed what we want. Rather than giving God the worship that he asked for. Priesthood is not about our preference. Priesthood is about learning God's preferences. That's why it's a relationship, Right? Relationships is about learning the preferences of your, uh, of your partner. So for the rest of my life, guess what? I'm learning my wife's preferences. And for every season, sometimes they've changed since we first got married and now we're having our third kid. It's changed. It's shifted. It's learning the preferences of God. That is why this is a relationship, not a religion. But when we say relationship versus religion, oftentimes that means I don't have to do anything, right? Like that's our, like... It's just a religion, or it's a relationship, not a religion. So like, you know, I'm not gonna be religious about it. So I'm not gonna go to church this week. I'm not gonna be religious, so I don't need to read my Bibles. Really, really religious, all right? So we've used that statement, which is true, and we've used it as a cop-out to not actually worship God the way he wants to be worshiped, okay? 
So the understanding is this, that we don't get to pick and choose how we worship God. God defines how he wants to be worshiped. Okay, so we look at Hebrews 13, and we have to first understand this, that as a priest, we are to continually, continually, say continually. Ooh, that's a good one, continually. Which means this, the whole life, every part of your life is worship to God, not just Sunday mornings. How can you continually worship God if it's only for Sundays? No, it means every element at all times, everything you do is, can be worship to God. Your job and doing a good job and being a good employee, guess what? That is worship to God. Stewarding your finances, stewarding your marriage, stewarding your friendships, being someone who is, off, is constantly giving glory to God in your life, guess what? That is what it means to continually worship. Not just Sundays from 11 a.m. to 12, and if we go one minute over, I'm out, all right? Rams fans, relax, okay? I guarantee you, if you don't check your phone, they'll win. I'm just kidding, I can't guarantee that, but I'm praying in Jesus' name. Okay? It's continually. It says in Philippians 4.18, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. All work, activity, prayer, and praise are offered to God. Everything about your life is now on the altar of praise and saying, God, let it be fragrant to you. In my business dealings or in my family dealings, in my relationships, we have to consider, God, is this worship to you? how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I treat business, these different things, guys, we have to begin to pause and say, God, is this worship to you? Is this worship to you? And is it worship to others? A good way to know if it's continually worshiping to God, ask other people around you. It says this, that your worship will be an aroma to God, but it will sometimes be a stench to the world. Sometimes people around you be like, oh, you kinda, like something different about you, bro. Sorry, that's like the youth pastor in me. It's like, oh, relax, okay. Right? But it's continual. It's continual. It's continual. And then it says a continual sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise is this. Publicly acknowledging the name and the character of God. This, most of the time, takes place in a setting like this. Why do we sing songs? For those who have come in here and have no like, cultural context, like why did we just do 30 minutes of singing songs with words? We're kind of like, ah, oh, this is weird. You know, everyone's like lifting their hands, we're weeping and crying. What we're doing is we're actually publicly acknowledging that God is who he says he is and he is good and it's a part of our worship. It's public. It is a public declaration that God is who he says he is. So it is actually, that's why it says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren for it is bad habit of some. Why? It says you're missing an opportunity to publicly declare, God, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, you are consistent. You are who you say you are. You are, I, I am serving you and you are not just serving God. I love you. This is not about me. Worship is to take the attention off self and to put it on God, and it is public, it is not private. It's not just our quiet time, but it's meant to be done publicly. It's either that, and then also a way we can do it is when we acknowledge our faith to people around us, to those who don't know God. That is worship to God when we begin to share who we are and saying, you know what, I am a believer. 
See, the problem is we want our relationship with God to just be private. Just me and God, like we do our thing, but like, I don't wanna offend people and I wanna, can I be honest? Yes, we have our private time, but a part of worshiping God is doing it publicly. A part of worshiping God is that your life preaches the good news that you've been changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. A part of worshiping God is showing up on a Sunday with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and saying, we are here for one reason and one reason only, and his name is Jesus. We're not here for anything else but for you. So it's continual and it's public. See, I have no problem being public. I'm probably a little too open sometimes. My wife's like, stop. But that's a matter of personality. See, sometimes when personality doesn't meet God's preference, we don't give way to our personality. We say, okay, God, I'm gonna get uncomfortable. And I'm gonna be open and I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna be public about what you've done in my life. The other way that God prefers to be worshiped is sacrificial service. God wants you to be generous. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to give ourselves wholly to the church as he gave himself completely and wholly to the church. It says that we are God's bride. He gave himself for his bride. We are to give ourselves to the bride. We are to serve. We are to give. It is worship when we see someone who is in need and we feel that need. It is worship when we serve. It is worship when we give of our time. It is not compatible in the kingdom of God to be a believer in God's grace and to be stingy. Not compatible. And if we are stingy, which we're all journeying through some things, we need to revisit our revelation of God's grace. Because to understand what Christ gave is to immediately have your heart shift to be a giver. That doesn't mean you need to have all the money in the world to be generous. To be generous is to be willing, to fill the need at any moment. So when you are serving and when you are giving, God is saying, I see that. That is, a good, that is good worship to me. That is a fragrance to my, to, to my throne room. I want us to be givers. We are called to be generous. We are called to be generous. And we don't give because we want to get something. We don't, see, where we actually begin to lose it from being good praise is when we serve and give just to get something. That's not worship to God. Because God doesn't just want your hands, he wants your heart. He wants your intention. He wants the right approach. He wants you to not be playing a game to get noticed and because if you're noticed here on earth, guess what? We lose our reward in heaven. So sometimes the things that we want is actually we're giving up the thing that we really don't realize that we want. So service is not to get someone to post about us on Instagram. Service is not because we want someone to pat us on the back. Giving and tithing and all these things is not for that. What it is for is because God is so good and he has given us so much, how could I not serve the body of Christ? How could I not be generous? How can I not tithe? It's not because someone asked me to, it's because it's really become who I am because that's who God is. We give, like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore let us be grateful receiving a kingdom. So what have we received? A kingdom with a king. His name is Jesus. And it says, and it will not be shaken. Thus, let us offer God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. That's talking about our heart. We don't give to get. We give because God gave. 
And that's acceptable worship to God. The second thing we have to know about priesthood is this. Priesthood is one, it's about preferential worship. It's worshiping God on how he prefers. Second is priesthood of people. It's a priesthood of people. Hebrews 13 says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Listen to this. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christianity is not individualized, privatized spirituality. It's not. We forfeit the fullness of the priesthood when we make it just about us. When we say it's my access to God, my right to interpret the Bible, my ability to discern God's will. When we make it about individualized, privatized spirituality, what we actually realize is, what we don't realize is we're giving up the fullness of the priesthood because God's priesthood is meant to be with people. God's priesthood is meant to serve people. God's priesthood is about being submitted under people, having leaders, having saints in our life. So I wanna talk about this today. We need to, number one, we need to have saints to sit under. If you wanna be a priest and you wanna practice priesthood, we need to find some saints in our life to sit under. We don't need more celebrities. We need saints. We don't need people that just make us feel good. We need someone to actually help us become who God has called us to become. Every priest needs a saint. We need saints to model our life after. Did you hear what he said in Hebrews? Consider their outcome of of their way of life. Consider their life and how did it end up? And imitate their faith, do what they did. So look at people in our community, look at people with longevity and say, I see how your life turned out. See how your marriages turned out, your family. I see your journey with God. You 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 are more in love with Jesus than you were 10 years ago. I am considering how your life ended up and I'm saying, I am attaching myself to you. I want to imitate what you did. I want to become who you are becoming. See, Paul says this, he says, I labor that Christ would be formed in you. Paul was a leader, he was a saint, saying, I am laboring, I am giving my life, not so you could show up and just have a good time and feel good, that Christ himself would be formed in your life. Every priest needs someone to say, hey, let me bring that out of you. Let me correct you. Let me hold you accountable. Let me mold you. Let me shape you because I'm going to help bring Christ out of you. When he's saying, remember, that, you know, consider their way of life, think about Hebrews 11, just two chapters before the hall of faith. Consider Abraham's faith. Consider Noah's faith. Consider Rahab's faith. Consider what they had. They didn't have Jesus, yet they had faith that he would fulfill their promise. Imitate that type of faith. Find a saint saying, you know what, I want that. Find an author you can read that molds and shapes you. Find somebody that can mold you and it can't just be someone who's dead. I'm gonna get to the end of this. It can't just be like, I really love St. Augustine. Well, St. Augustine ain't here to hold you accountable. It's like, I really love like when he says this and just like really hits home. It's like, cool, are you living that? But Hebrews, the author of Hebrews thought of that. Come on, isn't God's word so good? Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, obey your leaders. Talking about people who are alive now, right? (laughs) It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they 
are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning. Come on in Jesus' name. For that would not be an advantage to you. We don't need people just to model our life after, but we also need people to sit under and to submit to. We need people to watch over our souls. My question is today, who's watching over your soul? Because they will be held accountable for how they watched over your soul, but you will be held accountable for how you respond. Do we have a small group leader? Do we have a pastor? Do we have someone who's actually taking inventory of our souls and saying, hey, that's unhealthy. Hey, that's not kingdom. Hey, that's bitterness. Hey, that's an addiction. Hey, come on. Hey, you need to love your wife the way she wants to be loved. That's called leadership. Who is watching over your soul? And hearing a message on a Sunday, as much as I love to preach, that doesn't mean I'm watching over your soul. It's actually real accountability that's tangible. Why do you think baptism is so important? Because it's not about, it's not just me saying, oh, me and Jesus, we're friends now. Come on, everyone. No, it's saying, hey, I am being public about my declaration and saying, I'm following Jesus. And then you're looking at everyone who's watching and saying, okay, you guys are in the body of Christ. Hold me accountable. I need, I need some people to watch over my soul. I need, I need some people. I need some men in my life to help me be a priest of my home. I need some women in my life to help me be a priest. We need people in our lives to help mold who God has called us to be. It's all about people. We also have to learn to honor with hospitality. Hebrews 13 verse one says this, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Thereby some have entertained angels and are unaware. Craziest verse, I think, in the New Testament. Maybe besides the book of Revelation. Some of you got that. Like some of you, you know, whatever. So like, you know, I was saying this in the first service, like the person you're yelling at on the 405 may be an angel. <laughs> kind of scary. It's like, you get to heaven, that was an angel. It's like, oh my God. Lord, forgive me for I know not what I do, you know. The person who cuts you in line in and out could be an angel, right? But he's even saying like, Show hospitality. Treat people as if they were an angel. Everyone. Not just the people that can get you somewhere and get you something. Everyone. With respect, with honor, with hospitality. <laughs> priesthood is about belonging to something bigger than yourself. And so priesthood is about belonging to the priesthood. And you're looking around, you're saying, you're a priest, I'm a priest. We belong together. This is not just showing up on a Sunday and laying our lives down for one another, but it's every day. Don't let your past pain stop you from serving in the present. This is what I felt the Lord say this morning. Our foundation is Christ. Do you hear what he said? It says, imitate their life and imitate their faith, consider their outcome. But then it goes right into, it says, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? Earthly leadership and people are imperfect. We are in a community of people that are imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. But sometimes we say, well, you know what? You don't know what they did to me, so that's why I don't serve in church anymore. That's why I don't give, because they hurt me. And they probably did. But we are not here just to do that for people. And we allow past pain to stop us 
to worship presently the way that God prefers. You know what Jesus said to his disciples when people rejected them? He says, if you go to someone's house and they say, nope, they reject you, did he say, go on Instagram and blast them. Go on Yelp and just write the meanest review about that church ever. Get bitter, get angry. You have every right to be angry. You have every right to not believe in the organization of church. You have every right not to give. No, somebody said, you know what he said? He says, dust off your feet and move on. Dust it off. And it doesn't mean that you overlook it or you wink at it. What it means is this, it's not gonna stop me from serving the way that God has asked me to serve. It's not gonna stop me from giving the way that God has asked me to give. I am gonna do what God has asked me to do because I'm a priest and we are priests. And this is where I finish. The third thing, there's proximity in priesthood. There's proximity in priesthood. This is really the, the whole goal of it is that we understand that through Christ, our high priest, we have access to God. Right now, in this moment, you have access to the living God who wants to speak to you, as Pastor Ben so brilliantly talked about last week. He wants to, to, to engage in conversation. He wants to mold. He wants to shape you. He is with you. For through him, we both have access and one spirit to the Father. We have access to God, but how do we find proximity? I think we understand that we have access to God. I think we understand that we have a relationship with God, that we can be close to God, but sometimes if we're honest, we feel distant from him. We don't feel that proximity. We don't feel like he's close. We don't feel like he's there. This is not an exhaustive list I'm gonna give you, but how do we find that proximity again? Well, first we find proximity in persecution. It says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gates in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go outside of the, with him outside of the camp and bear the reproach he endured. You wanna feel the nearness of God? Go where God goes. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. See, outside the city was not a holy place. And the sin offering on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus, you can go and read it, they would take the carcasses of the animal and they would take them outside and they would burn them. And the person who had the great duty to bring all these dead bodies, they had to, to quarantine themselves because it was unclean. So Jesus, being the great high priest that he is, went to the place that was considered unclean, went to the place that was considered uh, outcast and on the fringe. And he says, I'm gonna die here and sanctify it, make it holy, so that you can come with me. So if people persecute you because of your faith, guess what, you're close with me because they persecuted me too. As you face pain and rejection, guess what? Sometimes the most difficult things in life are the things that bring you closest to God because you realize he is in the middle of my pain. He is in the middle of this hurt. He is in the middle of this shame. He was ousted so I could be brought in. So sometimes we wanna run from our pain, but that's actually where we feel God the closest. It's in the moment of your hurt, you can sit there and say, God, I know you are here. Proximity comes from persecution. The people he was writing to were being persecuted by those who were Jewish and by the Roman Empire on both sides. And the whole letter, he's just saying, hold on. Don't drift away. Don't give up. You can do this because you are going somewhere that is greater than right here. He is close. Proximity is birthed in pain. 
Sometimes being a priest is uncomfortable. Sometimes being someone who's forgiving when they hurt you doesn't feel good. But it's saying, I'm gonna do what Christ did. He died on the cross for the whole world and He forgave them even though a lot of us, maybe we would reject Him. But He says, even if you reject me, I'm dying for you. So guess what? That is our call as a priest. It doesn't have to be comfortable. We don't have to get it right every time. But it's saying, God, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this hurt, in the middle of this shame, let me love the way you did. Because that's what a priest does. Proximity is found in the precision of God's word. It says this in Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, it says, let us therefore strive to enter rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living. It's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is precise. If you're feeling distance from God, sometimes it's disobedience. You know what it said? It says, so that you don't fall into the same sort of disobedience, which happens. But guess what? When you consume the word of God, when you meditate on the word of God, when you work, sometimes, oftentimes it's working without you realizing it. See, we only think the word of God works when it really hit home in that, that morning, right? Like, oh, that word of the day, woo, I feel ready, woo-hoo. Most of the time, the Word of God is working without us realizing it. And it says the Word of God will not return void. So this is it. The Word of God is so sharp and so precise. It's removing disobedience from your heart that you didn't even realize it existed. And then when pressure and persecution come, guess what comes out of you? Christ. And you're like, how did this happen? It's because the Word of God is precise. So that's why we must consume the Word. That's why we must study the Word. That's why we must read the Word. It's not just some good book to help us get through the day. It's the very thing that will transform who we are. And a priest to not know his Word is a priest that is ineffective and doesn't walk in the power of God because it is precise to remove the thing that is causing a lack of proximity because God is close and God is near. He's saying, let me remove some things that are creating distance between us. Proximity is in the person. It says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet now we can approach the throne room with confidence because of his grace and mercy, because he was tempted on all sides and he did not sin. He, well, he doesn't know what I'm, no, God knows. We have a high priest that says, I'm going to pass through heaven. I'm gonna to come to earth so I can face it. So I can say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. Don't quit. Don't give up. Our high priests face our temptation, our shame, but we have to hold on to what we have confessed. Keep coming to the presence. Keep coming to the presence. Hold on, it says, hold on to what you have confessed. Confession is a discipline. We don't need to confess to everyone at all times on Instagram, but we should have some people, some saints that we can confess to and say, you know what? This is off in my life. Can you help me correct it? It says, confess your sins unto God and you shall be saved. Confess your sins one to another and you shall be healed. Sometimes proximity is because there's some things that we're not willing to confess that we're dealing with. And saying, okay, and the reason why is sometimes like, well, people won't understand me. Jesus understands. 
Why? He says he was tempted in every way. So it is not worth trying to hold on to what you think people won't understand and neglect that God understands everything and he will put the people in your life to help you walk out the freedom, whether they've walked it out or not. God's saying, I'm gonna put the right people. Say, so sometimes it's holding fast to your confession that helps you find proximity. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.